why I watch it every Sunday? Because I want that to be your focus and your passion. I want it to be the passion of your heart. I want the focus of our church to be to be a church after his heart. That means me having the passion to be a man after God's own heart, you to be a woman after God's own heart, boys and girls after God's own heart. Last week, uh, and we have to talk about David, by the way, because I'm not holding David up as an example to you. God is the one who held David up as an example. He said, I have found David, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Last week we talked about the pitfall of David's glory years, and we learned that some of the worst mistakes he ever made, that God took him from that, from, from ruin, and brought into restoration. And in those moments he learned some lessons about God that further fueled his passion to be the person that God wanted him to be. But the priorities and passions of David's final years, and that's what we're going to look at today, grew out of a single encounter with God that really developed David's passion for God. So that's the first thing we're going to talk about today is simply David's passion for God. And it happened at an altar. By the way, all of our scriptures this morning are going to come from First Chronicles. Uh, we're going to start in chapter 21. I'm not going to mention one single verse in chapter 21. I just refer to it because that is the moment, again, out of another moment of spiritual failure, a terrible leadership mistake, a spiritual mistake that David makes. But it, after he repents, it leads to a tremendous encounter with God, an encounter with God that really marked the rest of his life. And it happened, it happened at an altar. Now, some of us here today, not all of us, but some of us are moving into the final years of our lives. Let's just face it, if you're past 50, you're over halfway. That's just a fact. And uh, you know the trees out in the in the yard. Well, you see how every year uh, they turn green. The sap rises and they turn green. And then in the autumn of the year, the sap falls and the leaves turn brown and the leaves fall. And then spring comes around again and, and the sap rises in the tree and the tree turns green again. But then one year uh, the leaves fall and spring comes and the sap doesn't rise and the old tree is still standing but it's dead where it stands. Spiritually, some of us are like that old tree. We've lost our passion for God's word. We've lost our passion for God's work. The old tree is still standing, but it's dead where it stands. And the only thing that can jumpstart that passion, whether in that be in somebody who's in their final years or really in somebody who's young, is, is an encounter with God, and that encounter with God is something that you need, whether it happens at an altar at church or at an altar beside your bed, you need an encounter with God that fuels your personal passion for God. If I were to detail that encounter in First Chronicles chapter 21, it would take the rest of our time together, but suffice it to say, that is where in his final years, this passion for God was fueled. Number two. David not only had a passion for God, David had a passion for God's purpose. Maybe you have a sense that God has a purpose for your life. Uh, you may not know exactly what it is, but you have this sense in the back of your mind that God has a mission for you. Even if you're in your final years, you know God can have a mission for your life, and David was that way. He had the sense that, that God had a mission for him, and for David... 
He always had this passion in his heart to build a house for God. As you know, uh, he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant near to him because that, that piece of furniture out of the tabernacle symbolized God's presence. And as time went by, he wanted to build a house to put it in that was so magnificent. This temple would be so magnificent that it would draw people from all the nations of the earth to worship there. But David would realize that it was not God's purpose for him to build that temple. It would be for one of his sons, but it remained one of the priorities of his final years. He saw that as God's purpose. Well, uh, it was that experience that he had in First Chronicles chapter 21 that further fueled that sense of God's purpose because uh, in this encounter that he had with God, he came away with a, a deep conviction about he knew the place where the temple was to be built. If you look at First Chronicles chapter 22, and we are going to look at this verse, remember where he's standing at this moment is nothing but a piece of farmland, but it's a place where he had a significant encounter with God. And David said, this is the house of the Lord, and this is the altar of burnt offering. The spot of that significant encounter that David had with God, where his passion for God was fueled and his passion for God's purpose was fueled, would later be the spot where Solomon would build the temple. As a matter of fact, the temple in Jesus' day was standing on that very spot where David had that significant encounter with God. If you were to go to Jerusalem today to see the wall of the old temple and see the Temple Mount where today stands the, uh, a Muslim temple, basically, the Dome of the Rock, it is still the spot where David had that significant encounter with God. And he felt like it was his assignment that made sure that temple would be built. If you look at First Chronicles chapter 22, Verses 2 through 5, I'm just going to read verse 5. He says to his, his, uh, his sons, he says to the people, he said, Therefore now I will make preparation for it for the temple. So David made ample preparations before his death. It was a purpose, God's purpose, something he would never see, something he would never experience, but he felt like it was an assignment, a mission of God that needed to be completed. And David gave himself to preparation for that work. Number three, David had a passion for God's presence. Uh, again, David wanted that ark to be close to him. Uh, it was the symbol of God's presence. But at that altar, David had an encounter with more than a symbol. When we come to church every Sunday. We, we look at the church. We look up at our crooked cross. We're going to get that fixed one day. Those things to us symbolize God's presence. The steeple, whether we see it from far away. We go into the sanctuary where we haven't been able to meet for some months. That, to us, is a symbol of God's presence. We have the Lord's Supper. That reminds us of God's presence. All of those things are symbols. But David needed something more than an experience with a symbol, and you do too. David needed an encounter with God to fuel his passion for his final years, and he had one at that altar. In the remainder of chapter 22, you'll see David's instruction to Solomon. I'm going to read verse 6. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. David said to Solomon, My son, I had intended to build a house to the name of the Lord my God, but the word of the Lord came to me and said, You've shed much blood and have waged great wars. You shall not build a house to my name. Verse 9. 
Behold, a son will be born to you who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side, for his name will be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Verse 11, Now, my son, the Lord be with you, that you may be successful and build the house of the Lord your God, just as he's spoken concerning you. Some, some ten years ago, my dad and I were on a rural road in Walthall County, Mississippi, and uh, he took me into the woods. We climbed up an embankment, and he took me into the woods to show me a spot. And he said, son, you need to remember this spot. And we had to get through some vines and things to get there, and there was nothing there to see. But that spot marked the corner of a piece of property. And my dad put something there. I couldn't even remember what he put there, but I just remember him putting something down there. A few weeks ago, Babs and I had to go over, and we had to find that spot. I was so glad my dad had taken me. Babs actually remembered more about it than I did, and I was able to walk back up that embankment she spotted it from the road, that little stob that my dad had put down in the woods, all covered with lichen now, ten years later, but it marked a significant spot for us, a corner. I can see David riding out with Solomon to that place, that piece of farmland where that he had bought, uh, on which he had a significant encounter with God at that altar. And I can hear him saying to Solomon, Son, Build it here. Build it right here. This is where I met the Lord, right here. Build the temple here. And son, if you build it, they will come. Nations will stream to it. That's what the Bible says about it. And that is the vision that David had for it. He said, they will come. And he said, son, not only that, if you build it here, he will come. God will come. He will bless it with his presence. His glory will fall. And you might remember in the Old Testament... When Solomon built the temple on the day of dedication, that's exact, they built it on that spot, and that's exactly what happened. God's glory filled it with his presence, so much so that the Bible says that the priests were not able to enter it. No one could stand there, but God did come and bless it with his glory. David had a passion for God. He had a passion for God's purpose, and he had a passion for God's presence. Number four, David had a passion for God's for, for God's providence. David was old, but he wasn't blind. In fact, he had a clearer vision of God's activity than he ever had in all his life. And in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, he gathers the people together and he tries to tell them what he sees, what he can see. Uh, and, and Because he sees what God is doing. He sees God's activity. He sees how God has worked in his life. Henry Blackaby calls uh, those moments of perspective in our lives, in the study experiencing God, he calls them spiritual markers. Those are the places in your life when you clearly know that you experience God. They may be high moments in your life or low moments in your life, but in those moment, moments God revealed himself to you and set a direction for your life. So David took time to review the spiritual markers to, hit, to this group of people. He says, this is how I know this is the will of God. This is how I know it's God's timing. And step by step, 
he showed them how God had brought them to this moment, and he rehearsed God's activity. So uh, he had a passion for God's providence, the way God was working. And he said to these people, he said, do you see what I see? He said, I see a temple being built here. He said, do you hear what I hear? I, I hear the sound of music from many tongues and many languages. Do you sense what I sense? I sense the anticipation of God's presence because he will come and fill it with his glory. Do you have a passion for God like David did? Do you have a passion for his purpose, for his work, for his word, for his presence, for his perspective, the way he puts things together? Look at verse one of chapter 28. David assembled at Jerusalem all the officials of Israel, the princes of the tribes, the commanders of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the overseers of all the property and livestock belonging to the kings and his sons, with the officials and the mighty men, even all the valiant men. These were valiant people that David gathered together. And he said, look, look in verse two, he said, this is what I intended to do. I intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant. So I made preparations to build it. Verse 3, but God said to me, you shall not build a house for me. Verse 4, yet the Lord God of Israel chose me. He's showing them God's perspective. He's putting things in perspective. God chose me and God chose Judah. And later he says in verse 5, he has chosen my son Solomon. In verse 6, he said to me, your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my courts for I have chosen him to be a son to me and I will be a father to him. I will establish his kingdom forever. If he resolutely performs my commandments and my ordinances as is done now, Verse 8, so now in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, observe and seek after all the commandments of the Lord your God so that you may possess the good land and bequeath it to your sons after you forever. David is, is putting together the picture. Sometimes you can't see what God is doing in your life. I have been in that spot before where I couldn't see how God was working. I couldn't see, but I have a better perspective now that I'm older. Let me tell you, when you get older, you have a little bit better perspective and you can see the pieces of the puzzle as God put things together in your life. And those spiritual markers in your life, those moments when you encounter God, when you write that little note in your Bible and say the Lord gave me this promise and you see how it came to fulfillment, those spiritual markers will mark your journey and they will carry you in the direction that God is leading in your life so that when you're 60, you're able to look back and say, I can clearly see how God was at work guiding me to this very day. And it will give you courage to walk forward into the future because you know God is guiding still. So David had a passion for God, had a passion for God's purpose. He had a passion for uh, for God's presence. He had a passion for God's providence, the way God put things together. But David also had a passion for those who were passionate. You'll see that this group of people he gathered to them were valiant men. Those were the people he chose, people that were important to him, people who fueled his passion. You might remember his relationship with Jonathan. You know when David met Jonathan? David met Jonathan right after he killed Goliath. 
Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul and the army were all afraid. Saul wouldn't let anybody go out and fight Goliath because he didn't think anybody could beat him until this little boy David walks up. This little 16, maybe 17-year-old boy walks up and says, let me, let me do it. God will be with me. Let me do it. And when David went out and killed that giant, Jonathan looked at David and said, there's a guy that's got a heart just like mine. I wanted to do that. I want to be that kind of man. And they forged a friendship together, and, and each of them fueled the, the flame of passion for God in the other's heart. In later years, David surrounded himself with people like that. You know people like that. You know either people who will pour cold water on your passion for God or people who will fuel your passion for God. So David brought all of these valiant men together, and then he said to them, uh, gave them this charge that I just read to you. And then in verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 28, he says to Solomon, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. This is David's final charge to the nation. And he charges his son Solomon as he charges them. It's a football coach's speech that he gives to the players just before they run out on the field. It's that time he takes to tell them, now go out and fight. Go out and win. And this is what David is doing, fueling the passion of those valiant people. David had a passion for those who were passionate. Number six, and finally, David passed the torch of his passion into the future. Now I want you to listen carefully. Maybe you've been vaguely following what I've been saying to you. Let me tell you why I've been saying it. I have a concern about the church as I look at the church today, not just our church, but all of our churches, I'm concerned that we reflect perhaps what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15. Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you yourselves. In other words, the Pharisees were reproducing themselves, and what they were reproducing was certainly not what God wanted. We are reproducing ourselves here in this church. We are either reproducing passionate followers of Christ who will become people after his heart, or we are reproducing a generation who have no passion for God and no commitment to God. Jesus said the Pharisees were making converts who were exponentially more distant from God than they were. If we are going to produce a product, if we're going to pass the torch, let's pass the torch of passion for God and not some passionless, artificial, LED light with neither heat nor flame. So look at this moment as it happens in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 11. Look at verse 11. David is passing the torch of his passion. It's not a physical torch, but he's passing it. Then David gave to his son Solomon the plan. And you might not think much about that. The only thing is, wrapped up in that plan was the heart of David. But not only so, wrapped up in that plan was the heart of God. Look at verse 19. All this, said David, as he hands Solomon the plan, all this 
the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. Imagine the weight of that moment. This is not David's plan. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose. This is God's passion. This is God's providence. And David passes that torch forward and he said, here it is. Here it is. This is God's plan. This is what he wants. What are we passing to the next generation? I ask that of those of you who are living in your final years as well as those who are living in your early years. Have you laid your passion to rest? Does the passion for God no longer rise in your heart? Is Are you just a dead tree standing? The only thing that can jumpstart the passion is an encounter with God. An encounter that needs to happen at an altar somewhere, whether it be at this church or one you make where you meet with God and say, God, things haven't been right in my life in a long time. And God, I don't want to die this way. I want to be the man you want me to be. I want my church to be the church you want it to be. And God, I will commit myself to being a person after your heart. First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20. David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. David was in his final years, but his priorities reflected his passion to be a person after God's heart. This morning we're going to give an invitation as we close our service. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on and be ready. And I know we do that every Sunday. You say we do that every Sunday, yes, but not one where I turn around and greet you. I just sort of stood up here at the front at the chair and let you respond however you felt led. But one of the things that's important here is one of the ways that we pass the torch of passion and we fuel the passion of other people is there are moments when we need to respond publicly. Because when we respond publicly, it challenges someone else. It lays on the heart of someone else that they need to do the same thing. I certainly wouldn't ask you to respond in any way other than if God had spoken to you. But when God speaks, that is a priceless moment. That is a spiritual marker in your life, and that is a spiritual marker in your church. Would you stand?